0: is it a shark? Yes, but not
1: just a shark. Well, then
0: what is it? Tiger
1: plus a shark. What, what,
0: what, what, what? Tiger, shark. Oh, what? Tiger, oh, what? Tiger Shark? Oh what? Tiger Shark. Oh what? Tiger Shark. gonna kill these people?
2: We think so, but the great white is Welcome to Let's Jaws for a Minute, the podcast which takes a deep dive into Steven Spielberg's 1975 classic film, Jaws, minute by minute or thereabouts. I'm Sarah Buddery.
1: And I'm MJ Smith. And this week we are joined by a guest, uh, Dan Cole. Dan, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for being here. Um, Before we get in. Uh, to this scene today, we have to ask you the uh, the Jaws questions. One of our final Jaws questions
0: yeah. of
1: uh, of the film. So, uh, what is your history with Jaws? Like, what what led you to wanting to be on a minute by minute breakdown podcast of uh, this film?
3: Um, what well, the history of Jaws and me is the history of me, pretty much. My mm. earliest memory is of watching Jaws with my mum when I was. I'm to say somewhere between two and three to um point where I can't really remember much about it other than what our sofa looked like, what our curtains looked like, and one particular scene from the film, which just so happens to be the one that we're doing today. Um, oh. and, and since then, it's just been pretty much downhill for me. I can't <laughs> eat, sleep and breathe without thinking about Jules. It's just um, it's not my favourite film of all time. You know, where they... talk about the film that you want to watch when you're poorly or when you're sad or when you're happy um when things are going right when things are going wrong let's flip doors on yeah it's uh
1: we've had a lot of guests say that and i think sarah said that too that like it's it's a comfort movie Mm. for them and it's so funny because it's a horror movie like it's just it's so funny that, (laughs) that it's like oh man i'm really feeling bad let's watch a horror movie like that's not not how my brain (laughs) operates but that horror movie is Jaws so because Um,
3: somebody's getting bitten in half so they're having a worse day than you are yeah yeah that's that's absolutely (laughs) but I think more so as time has gone on obviously I enjoyed it as a as a child because it was a you know a shark eating people it's pretty cool yeah but then as I got older and, and you know started seeing the documentaries about how they made it and um Reading the books and stuff like that, it, it's added so much more to the film for me because of the the troubled production behind it and the effort that went into it. Is just it makes it all that more special, knowing how easily it could have been terrible, and yet wasn't. It was perfect.
1: Yeah, um, <clears throat> and we haven't talked about this, and I don't think I, I I didn't remember this until I went to the Jaws screening I went to this last weekend during the intro it's wild that the movie works to me um because of the troubled production but also because verna fields was editing this as they were filming so she had Mm -hmm. access to the dailies and was just editing the entire time they were shooting the movie she was living in the same house as carl gottlieb and spielberg and i did not remember that from the jaws log but uh the critic who introduced the screening read that bit from the jaws log and i was like i how do you even know
3: what to put in the movie at that point <laughs> like it, it blew my mind it, it's like shooting without a script isn't it? It, it? the film has no right to work as well as it does with the um with the way that they made it, it it's it's impossible almost for it to yeah. to come off as well as it has yeah i mean it, it should
1: be based on how that movie was shot and edited and the like just the troubles it had and honestly the absolute gall of Spielberg and like this, the risks he took and, and put on his cast and crew. Uh, I mean, it should be no better than a Joe Dante movie, you know, it, it just, it, but it's this really like elevated idea of what that type of creature feature can be. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, it, it it changed the game in that respect as well. because You've yeah. got what is, what should be basically a, a B movie creature feature that went on to become one of the most successful pictures of all time
1: yeah and one of the most influential like everyone's ripping off jaws left and right whenever they they make
3: a horror movie too still yeah
1: yeah yeah. and speaking of creature feature this uh this scene features the creature quite a bit Mm -hmm. um this uh this scene is one hour 57 minutes and 52 seconds through one hour, 58 minutes and 48 seconds inching ever closer to that two hour mark. Um, (laughs) It's a 56 second scene. And uh, so Quint gets drugged to his uh, demise in the belly of the beast and the door to the cabin of the orca shuts on Brody as it starts to fill with water. And the boat really starts to sink at this point. Like it is mostly underwater at this point and brody is is trapped essentially so he's frantically searching for a way out and then out of nowhere uh the shark bursts through the cabin and tries to attack brody uh fortunately he is a chonky boy and not (laughs) able to reach him entirely uh so brody in just a mad grab to get anything that could repel the shark he he grabs the, the the oxygen tank and he starts hitting it in the nose uh which we've established you know when presented with a shark boop the snoot so good work brody um and he he starts just like trying to get it away from him but then the shark opens its mouth and uh he's able to to toss the the uh the oxygen tank into the mouth and this, uh, this this upsets the shark so it, it goes away after <laughs> he does that or or it satiates the shark i'm not sure which one it's supposed to be and then brody's able to escape out of one of the front windows back towards the uh the the the, the bow of the boat the bow is the front right am i right about that <laughs> um yeah, yeah
0: maybe
1: <laughs> okay and then he he like leans on top of the cabin which is basically parallel to the water and that's where we end this scene is him taking a beat and kind of observing his surroundings to see if the shark is anywhere near and just kind of getting his bearings back from everything that just happened in the last couple minutes of the movie (laughs) because it was a lot Mm -hmm. um so dan what did you notice uh first and foremost about this
3: scene the very first is obviously he's just watched quinn slide off into the water in the mouth of the shark and then you can still see the blood floating in the water the life jackets and one of quince beers floating around mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. straight away the very first thing i noticed i oh, didn't finish the whole six pack he's still got a couple left.
2: <laughs> i cried when I, <laughs> when I started watching this scene this week i thought last week i thought i'd got all my crying out the way last week and then this week's scene immediately opens with like quite a considerable amount of blood in the back of the orca and then just Mm -hmm. that single can of Gansett floating (laughs) past and when i tell you i i stopped i was like i had to pause it i had to like take a minute and was like oh my goodness because i i don't know i just i hadn't seen if i had seen that can before i hadn't put the sort of uh emotional weight behind it or significance behind it but yeah i'm glad you brought that up first down because i <laughs>
3: <a> today <laughs> in all honesty today was the first time i noticed the can as well to in the thousand and one yeah. times that i've seen it today was the first time oh, yeah there's the can floating around is the oh yeah just um, it was there like a shining beacon but probably because mm. of listening to the podcast
1: <laughs> well, the first time I noticed it was right now when I unpaused it to see what you guys were talking about.
2: So, <clears throat> You're welcome.
1: <laughs> yep. uh The first thing I noticed out of this scene is the shark 100% roars in this scene. <laughs> no. It she, absolutely, no. without a shadow of a doubt, that thing roars at him
3: there's a couple of times throughout the film there's, there's one earlier on when he's um when he's I think Quint comes from behind him and he's truing through the white uh, through the wires through the ropes on his way back towards yeah. the ship he, mm-hmm. and um Quint says get out of my way with with the, the gun and it almost sounds like he's wearing that but I just I don't think he is because after I know it's not happened yet after he dies and he's he's sinking towards the um give it say it him could be a she. When the shark, the shark dies and it's headless and it's, float, it's sinking to the, the seabed, obviously Spielberg put in the, the roar then that he had in Duel. So mm-hmm. is it really a shark roaring? Is it him just coming out of the water? Is it just a sound effect that Spielberg wanted to put in? We know sharks don't roar. Jaws wouldn't lie to us, would it? Yeah, Jaws yeah. has never lied. So that's a, that's a good point. It doesn't lie. Yeah yeah
1: it's a documentary
3: <laughs> if you can trust in one thing it's jaws you should know this by <laughs> now
1: yeah that's true
3: my mistake in jaws we trust <laughs> in jaws
1: we trust
3: but i, I know that's what you're the... trying to say and I've, I've watched it through a few times mm. today obviously in, in the build-up to this and I, I honestly don't think it does i think it it sort of sounds like it could be a roar, but i think it's it's to do with the, the snapping of the wood as he's coming through the window is to do with the, the water coming out of the shark's mouth as it's Could be the, the hydraulics for the the, the you know the <laughs> animatronic shark itself. I don't yeah. think it really at least isn't meant to be a roar. I don't think
1: <laughs> Yeah. Sarah where where did you land on this?
2: Oh I, <laughs> this is my least favourite debate because I feel like <laughs> people feel so passionately about this and they like they really come for the shark in Jaws the Revenge that absolutely does roar. Um I am on the fence because I heard it in this... I heard it in this week's scene as well. And I was taken back to our previous uh, moment of discussing does the shark roar? And I don't know. I'm going to... I'm going to say no, it doesn't. I think it's like the sound of the water rushing. But it's such a loud and chaotic moment when you're talking about like when the shark like bursts through into the into the orca right yeah there's so much noise going on there that it's really it's really hard to like pick out like you know what is the noise of the shark even though we know sharks don't don't really make a noise and what is like you know the water and then obviously it's just the sound effects put in because it is just meant to be this really loud big chaotic moment and it, it succeeds there but yeah i don't know i feel like this is a this is a thing that people weirdly feel very very strongly about i don't know i don't think it in in the grand scheme of things i don't think it matters that much because if we're gonna get into the accuracy of jaws we're gonna fall apart real quick uh because this (laughs) this this shark does things that No other shark does, but they acknowledge that within the film. So I feel like that gives old Bruce carte blanche to do whatever he wants.
3: (laughs) No, I I agree. Go ahead. Go ahead, Dan. I was just going to say, the thing, if if it's roaring as it first emerges from the water, why doesn't it continue roaring as it's flapping about there like a beast whale? Sure.
1: Well, (laughs) I, I think that there is one group of people qualified to answer this and until we get ilvis on the show we will not know (laughs) what the shark says
2: yeah that was an extremely relevant joke uh
1: how old is that damn song now uh 2013 almost 10 years almost 10 years now
3: Good it's job
1: been a long them. 10 years there, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, can't, can't stop the song in my head, but with a shark now, by the way.
2: <laughs> We're just adding to our uh, repertoire of uh, shark-related songs now. Yeah. But, um... I guess
1: they did answer it. Fish, go blub. Um <laughs> Should I have abandoned this, this bit a second
2: ago? This... Yes, <laughs> yes, I should have. This has taken a turn already. Uh, yep. <laughs> steering it, steering it back on track. Um, yeah, the this is gonna sound like I, well, I'm not even gonna say it anymore. Of course, I'm reading too much into it. This is literally what we're doing on this podcast. Um, but the the bit with the the door of the orca like closing on Brody again noticed that happened before never really put any significance on it but i've figured that could be like one of two things and actually both of these things can be true uh for for that moment specifically um we've just seen quint die (laughs) so the the metaphorical closing of quint's chapter story he is now like the other side of of that door he is he is gone um so it's almost like the the closing of of quint's part of the story and his involvement in the story um but also just really emphasizing this feeling of brody being trapped and this this scene i've always the bit that stands out to me in this scene or has done previously is the shark busting through the window because that's the bit that everyone remembers it's the big jump scare it's a really great great bit in the scene that we will spend lots of time talking about not just about the raw um but this this bit before that happens like i really just feel the anxiety and i think that that increases the second that door closes it's like okay hooper is gone as far as brody is is aware uh you know he doesn't know that he's he's alive and he's that he's um, escaped from the shark Quint is gone he just watched him die the door has closed on both of those he is now alone in the orca and it's just him and i think that you really get that feeling of Brody now being completely trapped in this situation. Yeah. You are like, how is he going to get out of this situation? Because, because of the, the way the boat is til- is tilting as well, like he can't open that door. Like you see him go to it and, and try. Um, and then obviously, you know, things take an even more chaotic turn when, when the shark comes through the window. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was, I thought that was interesting, interesting thing to think about.
3: Absolutely. Like you say, he, he fumbles for the door. So he, mm. he, he wants to get back out to that other side where things were ever so slightly better than they are now. <laughs> Not a huge amount. but and, and like you say, he's watched Well, he, he hasn't seen Hooper die because we you know Hooper's still alive, but he's seen the wreckage of the cage as it's mm-hmm. been brought back up. He knows the, the power of the shark. He's watched Quint slide into the beast's mouth. The two most capable people on the boat... <coughs> Mm. perished to this thing and there's him alone and useless and he's standing up to his waist in the thing that he's most scared of
1: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah i mean it, it's total fight or flight mode right
3: yeah with nowhere to go
1: yeah yeah i mean it's it's a moment where i mean it's it's kind of like put up or shut up Brody like you you've got a you've got a decision to make and what's that decision gonna be are you gonna to try to fight this thing off are you gonna face your fear are you gonna you know it's, it's the moment of truth for him and uh <clears throat> to see like his police training is only gonna get him so far in this situation right like he is he, he didn't learn about this at the academy you can't cuff a shot can you <laughs> nope believe me we've tried <laughs> um but yeah uh i think roy Schneider is excellent in this scene not that he's so not excellent good. in the rest of the film but uh just the 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 fear but determination all at the same time that happens in this scene on his face like he is so scared but so like willing to like put up a fight uh, yeah. before he goes out, and like all of that is in his face. Once again, no dialogue for like several episodes now. Um, <laughs> like we've had a couple lines, but yeah, we don't we don't hear words again until he starts talking to the shark, and. Uh, which sounds cooler than I mean it, um,
2: <laughs> just kick him back,
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, and so he's he's got he's gotta rely on his physicality here, and like he's you know he's drenched, which I'm sure is not in his top five favorite feelings to be uh <laughs> um, and he is faced with you know he's just seen this guy die before his eyes, and like yes, he has. He comes from an industry where you have to deal with that. But at the same time, this is a personal connection he had. Like he's gotten to know this guy over the last couple of days. Like, you know, usually if you, not that it's not sad if you're a police officer and you roll up to a crime scene where there's a body, but like more often than not, you're not going to have a personal connection to that person. Um, so even though he has to kind of get through it, with like cop brain of you know this th- i can't dwell on this there's also a portion of him that's conflicted because like he didn't want to see that
3: and not only that he's probably well aware that quince was probably the only person on the boat that might have stood a chance of killing the shark one-on-one yeah. he certainly isn't well i mean we obviously know he is but <laughs> he wouldn't think that he is who thinks he can go up against a 25 foot shark with nothing but your fist and, and come out all right
2: Mm. yeah and i think that you you see that i think you you mentioned it mj that that fight or flight feeling and you sort of see that when he's like when he goes for the door initially that's that's why i brought up about the the door closing on him because it's like okay that's his means of escape right that's like how can i get out even though there isn't Mm -hmm. really anywhere to go at that point um and then he is sort of making his way back you know across the the orca, to where, we don't know, to, to what, I don't know. <laughs> like, he's just kind of feeling his his way across uh, to the other side of the orca. And that's obviously when when the shark comes through. And, you know, the, the force of that, it sort of pushes him underwater. And what I kind of saw that is, as you know, this... Uh, it was like this rebirth or kind of baptism moment mm. of him going <clears throat> under the water and then coming out the other side mm-hmm. of it, sort of more determined to to take on the to take on the shark and that's when this oxygen tank sort of you know bobs past him and they, they do a clever little trick with the oxygen tank as well which is that we see it initially i think i wrote it down let me just uh find my yeah, notes. You're yeah. Right. so when yeah so when after the door closes Brody looks at it. we see the tank is there like by the red seat cushion thing when the orca then tilts and Brody moves to the other side, as I just said, um, the the cushion is there still, that big red cushion, but there's no there's no tank. We don't see it anywhere, um, and this is really effective because then when it makes its reappearance right in front of Brody at the opportune moment when he's just been pushed under the water, has emerged again with sort of a renewed vigor to uh, to take on the shark, the thing that he you know eventually needs to to defeat the shark is is right there and he initially is just as as you said mj just kind of like ramming this thing into the shark like whatever damage he can he can inflict and then the shark just happens to open his mouth and that's that's when he throws it in but i like that it's sort of like you see the tank then you don't see the tank and then it kind of reappears again it's like we then clock the tank is there at the same time that brody does and have that same moment of realization as he does it's like oh there's a thing that i can possibly use because the only other well there's lots of things floating around him but the only other thing that's there that he could potentially hit the shark with is the red cushion i don't think he's going to do a lot of damage with that so probably (laughs) not so i have a question for you two which is (laughs) Mm -hmm. do you think
1: that brody is thinking about the indianapolis in this moment
3: Mm, interesting hmm In what sense?
1: Just like, you know, he... Less than 24 hours ago, maybe even less than 12 hours ago, Quint has told them this story about facing off with a shark in a sinking ship. Um, And now that exact situation is presenting itself to Brody. And as far as he knows, it's it's already
3: killed two people. In quick succession. You can see half of Quint hanging from the guy's teeth. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah we'll we'll get to that don't worry uh yeah i that's interesting because i i haven't thought about it sort of in prepping my notes for this week but way back when we right at the start of indianapolis month when we were talking about that scene and we said how Quint starts with let's like, say you know that the uh what is it japanese submarine slam two torpedoes into our side where is the shark attacking from it's attacking from the the side the as side. well yeah. um mm. So we did, I think we spoke about quite a bit during Indianapolis Month about the the foreshadowing that is in that speech as well and then how many like weird similarities there are. You know, we get the life jackets uh, cropping up again later. This sort of, you know, pounding, hollering and screaming sort of thing is almost like foreshadowing his own death and what happens to him. So it's, I think there'll be exceptions to this but i think it's hard to view anything post indianapolis without thinking about indianapolis <laughs> and mm-hmm. i think that applies to to this moment as well i mean if we made that connection on that episode between you know the the bits of foreshadowing there are in quints monologue then it's clearly something we're thinking about now then it would make sense that it's still in in brody's mind as, mind as well i mean obviously the thing that he is thinking about is you know protecting himself and and killing this shark, really. so, but there has to be that thing in the back of his mind, like surely he's like you said as you know twenty four hours ago or thereabouts that he was being told this thing, and now it's it's happening to him.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I would definitely be like, uh, what is Quint a prophet like <laughs> How, how did he know that this is exactly what would happen to us was he yeah. working with the shark
2: <laughs> that's, a, that's a plot twist isn't it <laughs> well there is that there's that great like behind the scenes photo I'm sure you've seen it where like Robert Shaw is just like kicking back with the shark it looks like they're having a little chat together um, I
3: don't think I've it's... seen that
2: oh well, yeah, let me try and he's, find it
3: it's he's in the back of the orca isn't it it's still sort yeah. of half filled with water
2: yeah, let me try and find it for you, Andre, because it's such a great... It's a really great picture. You see it come up quite a lot in sort of, like, the Jaws um, behind the scenes pictures. Okay, this isn't the exact one, but this is kind of what's happening. Uh, Marie's just, like, chilling. Just chilling with the... <laughs> oh, wait, I found it. Yeah, here we go. Uh, <laughs> all the listeners will know exactly what picture I mean, so... Uh... <laughs> Uh, There we go. Oh yeah, I've never seen this.
3: The color one. That's great,
2: (laughs) isn't it? (laughs) That's
1: such a great picture. I've never seen this.
2: Yeah, it's like they're plotting.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he is just vibing with that shark. That's so funny.
2: In my in my head, uh, Quint is because it looks like he's on like a therapy couch like he's on like a yeah. chaise lounge or something just you know and the shark's like tell me about all your problems tell me about what happened on the indianapolis <laughs>
3: I don't, I don't, the way because the shark sort of on its side it's almost like they've um you know had a romantic evening <laughs> of sorts, it ended not long ago he's just chilling back with a cigarette and she's like tell me what oh, you thinking
1: no. about oh just, no <laughs> Just sea captain stuff. <laughs> just yeah. just sea
2: captain stuff. That's really, that's changed that whole thing for me now. <laughs>
1: that's what I was thinking of with uh, Quint working with the shark.
2: Uh, he is in, well, he is inside he the shark. He is now. inside the shark. R.I.P. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> and well, in We're more ways than one, shark. if you,
1: if Dan's story is to be believed.
3: Wow. Um, well, I don't have insider knowledge <laughs> or anything. <drink. laughs>
2: Ugh, just just what in I think about it. <laughs> Oh madam uh... <laughs> <clears throat> I rescued this last time this is on someone else's <laughs> <laughs> Um
1: <clears throat> so I wanted to talk about this scene really called to mind for me something that I think you could draw a direct line to. Um, I don't think this is that type of film. Um, but these were the blockbusters pre Jaws and that's disaster movies. Um, Mm -hmm. very big, like Poseidon adventure, you know, small scale version. Um, to, uh, to, to, I, I don't know, It just the, the boat on its side and having to escape it, it really calls to mind that sort of, the, the prevailing blockbusters of the 70s, like if you look at like Earthquake, Airport, Towering Inferno, Poseidon Adventure, all of those come out between 1970 and 1974. Um, mm-hmm. And those movies were the big spectacle blockbustery type movies. Like these are things like Earthquake had motion seats, and I think 3D, I think Towering Inferno had 3D, and I think it had that smell vision thing where you got a scratch card and like at certain points during the film it would like pop up with uh it would pop up with you know scratch number three and it'll smell like the burning ash or whatever um like there were these gimmicky things in these movies to kind of fill seats because things like Cinerama had just come out it was competing with television at the time and um movies weren't really like they were just starting to kind of come back after television kind of it didn't kill the industry obviously but like really kind of gave movies its first competitor in ever um from the 50s through the 60s so those types of movies were would have been at the forefront of the public consciousness and i'm sure you know spielberg was a connoisseur of those Um, types of films just especially based on you know how he makes the movies he makes um so this really like called to mind every i haven't seen any of those movies i think i'm actually not super well versed in disaster films but um just the idea of uh of, of like calling back to those those types of movies that would have been the bridge i would say from you know Spectacle driven movies to Jaws.
3: Mm-hmm. It was probably um, maybe help with the studio's decision to lend them a bit of the budget that they um, they obviously had, but Jaws. So why else would you? Mm. <laughs> why else would you give, yeah. you know, a young Steven Spielberg that kind of money to make that kind of film?
0: Yeah. Mm. Mm.
2: Yeah, pitching it as this kind of. You know, I, I I never sort of think about Jaws as a as a disaster film, right? Um, because I just don't think that it it doesn't follow that track all the way no. through. But I think certainly, I think this bit, even if we're just literally talking about <laughs> this fifty six seconds or whatever that we're talking about now, it, it yeah, I see it because it, it you know it's it's that trying to escape from a thing and i've seen i've only seen the new poseidon uh oh, no, because it's got richard Dreyfus <clears throat> in it so, oh, does it? <laughs> so <an> yeah <laughs> yeah That's only really reason funny. why i watched it um but yeah this i mean it, whenever i you yeah. know we literally we were doing so well at never bringing up titanic and now it's all we do but the the boat kind of like tilting and those like weird angles as well like obviously you see that much much later in in titanic as well so yeah this particular scene is very disaster movie adjacent and maybe i don't know maybe spielberg tried to sell it as that like you said dan to try and (laughs) just be like hey i'm not insane i promise (laughs)
3: well it's a fair point because It could have quite easy. You could still have had Hooper dying and and Quint dying and the ship, the boat, not sink. He could still Mm. kill the shark from the boat, You know, chuck the scuba tank into the water and whatever else. It didn't have to... It's better that it does. It doesn't have Mm. to end the way that it does. The boat doesn't have to sink. He doesn't have to be trapped in the cabin. He doesn't have to be fighting as much for his life as he is. But I, I think it's a fair point, MJ yeah um
1: i think one of the big things that it's missing is this sort of crazy cast of uh of of people like if it's man uh if you look at the cast for like towering inferno it's like william holden faye dunaway fred astaire richard chamberlain oj uh robert say, Wagner. J. yeah Dabney <laughs> coleman uh yeah it's i mean and they all have these huge casts like that um like Mm -hmm. these were big time these were i would say these were the blockbusters before jaws right these Mm -hmm. big spectacle driven star driven types of films
3: well i think i'm pretty sure peter benchley wanted somebody like robert redford or somebody like that for brody um, yeah until charlton heston as well Yeah, until, I think it was either Spielberg or Zanuck or Brown said, you know, the star of the film was supposed to be a fish. (laughs)
1: Yeah, well, uh, yeah, because Heston was in Earthquake the year before. So, -hmm. 1974, Heston was was in one of these disaster movies. He's the headliner of of Earthquake, which was co-written by Mario Puzo, (laughs) is what I just learned.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The things you learn. Yeah, it yeah. was, I definitely remember hearing about uh, Charlton Heston being considered.
1: For um, Quint or for Brody?
2: I'm just trying to find it. Uh, I think for Brody, I think. Oof. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's a that's a yikes from me. Like, he's, he's nothing too, against.
3: I could see him as Quint. He's, he's a bit yeah. too grizzled to be Brody, mm. I think. Brody's yeah. still got a bit I, of hope in his eyes where Quint's Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah i could definitely see him more as more as quint than than brody i just brody it's so essential that he has that he has that every man quality and i i don't this is just my unfair assessment of, of charlton heston but i always just think of him as a bit of like a showboat yeah actor. no i don't think it's like, unfair at all <laughs> yeah <laughs> like yeah it's it's and the, the performance from Roy Scheider is so not that at all. Like, he's so believable as the everyman because, I mean, I've made my feelings clear, but he is not that sort of, like, classically handsome, leading man type character. I mean, in my eyes, yes, but <laughs> it's it's such perfect casting. I mean, across the board, the casting is is perfect in Jaws, and it's, it's always feel silly to say it they were like oh yeah i couldn't imagine anyone else playing these roles but i really i really just couldn't <laughs> they fit their parts so perfectly and yeah i've just found uh, i mean this is imdb trivia so as always pinch of salt but um also uh jeff bridges uh john voight were considered for the role of hooper
0: oh uh, jeff bridges
1: maybe. maybe around that time yeah yeah yeah. Uh, thing I just learned, do you know who did the music for the Poseidon Adventure, the Towering Inferno and Earthquake? I to guess uh, was it John Williams? It was John Williams.
2: <laughs>
3: I'm good at this. <laughs> <laughs> 10 points. <laughs> Thank you very much.
1: So, well, so that means that the studio really wanted this to be this sort of disaster type right. movie, right? Like they they that I think that shows plain as day the exact line they were wanting to draw between those films and this one
2: mm-hmm. yeah it makes a lot of sense <laughs> maybe i'm now reconsidering this is jaws a disaster <laughs> it isn't uh, it's colored
1: well, in it, on the edges as like by those things i don't think it's full yeah. on a disaster movie but it's it brushes up against it for sure yeah
2: disaster we movie studios
3: we know studios tend to follow suit, don't they? If if somebody's having success with a type of film, you look at the superhero stuff that's on now. Everybody jumps in. Mm, Why yeah. not? Mm-hmm. It's a proven trend. You, you just follow suit. You? you know where the money is.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, and Universal did Airport and Earthquake.
2: Mm. Hmm. Yeah, and I guess it's the the uh, fitting in with like the Universal monster movie as well. Like, yeah.
1: yeah Yeah. it's i guess it's a a perfect nexus between that right of like yeah the the universal monster movies of the 30s and 40s and then the universal disaster movies of the 70s the early 70s
2: we've just figured out how spielberg got that check (laughs) yep (laughs) we did it (laughs) we solved jaws (laughs) hooray
1: show's well, over we, no more episodes after this we figured yeah. it out we were just <laughs> waiting until <laughs> so we cracked the jaws code
3: yeah <laughs> it also goes to show why it's impossible to remake it because even looking at the stars at the time you couldn't imagine anybody else in the role mm. who would you have now you know, dwayne johnson is be terrible
1: well it doesn't take place in a jungle so
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> only does jungle uh related films yeah yeah we so uh we won't give our answers because we'll save it for our episode but one of the questions we've been asked and i have been thinking about this all week i don't know about you mj but we've asked people for for questions for our like big wrap-up episode and one of them was to like recast jaws with a a modern cast like obviously don't want the remake hope it never happens but if we had to like recast it with a with a modern cast and i am still thinking about mine because
1: mine keeps changing uh,
2: yeah, I just don't... I'm not comfortable with any of my combinations because I'm thinking about how they would play together as well. Like, I'm really overthinking it, is what I'm saying.
3: <laughs> Have you tried doing, like, a Ghostbusters 2016 thing?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> oh, we did that. I mean, I I believe I cast myself as uh, as Hooper. Oh,
1: yeah, a, uh, yeah. So it all was you really,
2: <laughs> If I was going to be anyone, I'd be Hooper, and
1: I don't know why. Yeah, I would also be Hooper.
2: Yay, yeah, <laughs> Team Hooper. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I, well, so, yeah, we we the Ghostbusters 2016 version is you, Lucy, and her mom, right? Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. Episode 15 or something throwback, that was. Oh, my God.
1: That feels like an eternity ago. Yeah.
2: You might, have, you
1: might as well have said in 1994 that happened.
2: Like... <laughs> and you'd been like, yeah, that tracks. <laughs> uh <laughs> Yeah! Wow, we are. I, I mean, go back to the film in a sec. It really <laughs> hit, like, really hit me today, like how far into this film we are. Because uh, Sarah, confession time. I watched the this scene and the rest of the film at least three times today <laughs> in my prep because it's six you, minutes. I had to, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I had to stop it at that exact. I kept trying to stop it at the exact point before the music kicks in. So Brody is like up on the, you know, the the side of the orca about to climb up. Um, if you stop it at, at just the right bit, it was okay. And I was like, right, okay, I can just go back and watch it again. But if I let it go just like a second or two too many and the uh-huh. score kicked in, I was like, that's it. I'm watching the rest of the film now because yeah. as soon as that bit of music kicks in, you're like, ah, oh, yeah, I want to see-, <laughs> see the end of the film because it's such a good ending. Yeah, I that. know
3: exactly what you mean. Yeah. We watched it together last night in preparation for the umpteenth time, much to her disdain. But, <laughs> and, I, and I knew my bit was going to be quite near the end of the film, but you don't realise from the moment that yeah. Hooper starts talking about putting the cage in the water, how little of the film is left. It, it's
0: uh-huh. it's, nothing, it's <clears> like <throat> 10
3: or 15 minutes at most. It's, yeah, um, yeah, maximum. And it, everything then is just quick fire, death, death, destruction, big bang. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah i mean i went to a a somewhat of a screening this weekend where they screened the last hour um of the film they didn't just screen the last hour as part of a three-day event where they were doing in-depth analysis on the film and so they had the last hour of the movie to go and i could only make it to that and uh it really put into perspective how little we have left for me. Like watching, one, watching it straight through you just that last hour felt like I was watching it at warp speed. Um, mm-hmm. But then when we got to this moment to just like realize how little we have left really kind of like gobsmacked me. Like that was the, f- I, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like that was the first time that I had really thought about, oh, we're, we're at the end <laughs> of this movie.
3: Yeah. What do
2: you do with your lives when it's over? Yeah, well, stay tuned. tuned. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I the 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 pace really hits me from basically Hooper getting in the cage onwards, like that's or even just you know the montage leading up to that because that's a lot happening in a short space of time, and then it's you know he's in the cage, and even though we spent what two and a half ish weeks talking. About Hooper being in the cage, it's like that. Still, all happens quite quickly, and then you no know, sooner have the they they pulled the cage up or what's left of the cage and realized it's empty that Quint is is getting killed, and then this is happening. The shark is bursting through, and then like next week we're talking about Brody like lining up the shot, and then that's it. <laughs> like wow. the 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 shark blows up, and it's it's over. It's yeah. this like I think even the credits are that last... long. Yeah, exactly. they're not. They don't even credit the sound, guys. Um, Yeah, this this last bit just feels so quick, but also not rushed at all. Like, think about how many separate things there are happening in this, like, last, let's just say last 10, 15 minutes of the film, which is, you know, what we've spoken about most recently. How many things happen and how it doesn't feel overwhelming at all. We're not sat here like, oh, we were doing this thing and now suddenly we're over here because it's so well edited. It's so well paced. And just this sequence of events that we're we're seeing, you know, like one thing to the other and the continuity from, you know, what we saw in the last scene to then what's happening now is all so fluid and just, you know, pun intended, I guess, that (laughs) even just this, uh, this, oxygen tank that has been like bobbing around and had its big moment last week where it rolled over Quint's fingers and and caused him to lose his grip and then that's you know floating around in in the orca as it's as it's taking on water and just these little things where you're picking up on all these on all these small moments and just how well they're put together and what hits me in in these last like 10-15 minutes or so is this feels like the only way this could ever go because mm-hmm. all the pieces are so perfectly laid out and so perfectly put into place that of course the oxygen tank you know floats by him at the right time and he throws that that in the mouth and that was the thing that happened to be there and roll over quints fingers and cause him to lose his grip like of course all of these things happened because like what other way can it go and i think that i think the point i'm trying to make is that like you know having it so quick and so sort of like flowing and one thing after the other just really helps sell that idea of like this is the way things were always going to go
1: that's a super good point and i think it it um uh what am i trying to say it 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 just it all feels like it's happening in real time and it makes it so much scarier
2: mm-hmm. yeah
1: it's just scarier the way the way it's it flows too like there's just there's not a second
3: to breathe pretty much from the moment they wake up really on that day like, yeah well we presume they go to sleep but when they they're trying to fix the boat however many weeks ago that was and um <laughs> and, and Brody's trying to turn the wheel from then it, it all seems like every minute you watch is a minute for those guys
1: yeah mm-hmm. yeah with the exception of like the uh the shark cage montage it feels like it's totally real time yeah yeah,
3: yeah. but then even then you, you don't presume that it would take much longer than you know the 10 15 seconds whatever was shown to put that case together it's quick flimsy thing but it it just it's one after it's relentless almost without feeling overpowering Mm -hmm.
1: Mm. yeah i mean and i think uh you know it it (laughs) to to sort of bring in the the influence of jaws um I think you can see it in the works of, I mean, like I said, basically anyone who's made a horror movie after 1975, but I think (laughs) really you can see, uh, if you look at Sam Raimi's work, it's, I think it's plain as day in his stuff. Like he, so like Evil Dead comes out in the 80s, right? Like what, uh, 1980? Did it come out in 1980?
3: I think it's 1980. Um, 81.
1: Uh, um, 1981, <laughs> just six years after. But I think Jaws is a movie that makes Sam Raimi realize that he can be relentless with it. So the tagline of of Evil Dead is what, right? Uh, it's uh, a a new experience in grueling horror, grueling terror. Um, movie's exhausting. It's it's. I mean, from the get go, it is moving, and once shit hits the fan in that movie it is non-stop until credits roll and it's an 85 minute movie i mean it's it's (laughs) it's it's like watching this whole back 15 minutes of jaws for an entire movie um so i think you don't get to that point without jaws having this absolutely relentless uh back half um and i think like obviously sorcerer has a lot of that too but sorcerer wasn't as popular so it didn't get the uh it didn't it wasn't able to 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 cement itself as that influence until much later um i think we're just now kind of starting to see that influence uh like in freaking star wars that's happening now (laughs) um (laughs) and but i don't think you get to even maybe sorcerer without jaws right like these these movies Mm -hmm. they they just build on each other and so I think Spielberg comes in and blows the doors wide open on how like grueling a movie can be. Because it is brutal, like it, it is brutal, but it's that's not the point. The point is that it's grueling. Like, it's hard to get through this for these characters. They are exhausted by the end, right? Brody's drenched, he's out of breath, he's terrified. He just watched Hooper die as far as he knows. He just tried to help get the shark cage out of the water. He just watched Quint die. He's on a boat that's sinking. He's getting attacked by a shark. Now he's got to do something about the shark that he just was able to like stave off, but he knows that that's only like that's a stopgap. It's a te- it's a temporary fix. So now he's got to figure that out, and like we end the scene with him like trying to get his bearings, but it is a brief reprieve he has between mm-hmm. getting locked in the boat and getting outside. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, yeah. pretty much from the moment he gets through that window, he spends the rest of the film at an almost diagonal angle, doesn't he? yeah so as soon as he comes out the yeah. window he's leaning against the boat and obviously he climbs up the um the mast and he's leaning mm. then he's shooting at the shark he's leaning mm. he sees hooper he's leaning <laughs> the guy's got no spine left
2: <laughs> i do like the uh action man brody uh style thing of him just like climbing out the window and then just like crawling up the side of the boat yeah it's, it's pretty good. it's pretty cool <laughs>
3: whilst we're at that point i'm sure you know already, but I was quite Mm -hmm. happy when I found out. I thought, well, maybe I'll tell them something they don't know. Did you know (laughs) that um, (laughs) that Roy Scheider was so worried uh, and untrustworthy of the production that he hid all these little hatchets and knives and axes around the cabin of the boat in case it sank with him in it so he could (laughs) manage to break free somehow? I imagine Mm -hmm. you already knew that. I feel dumb for bringing it up. I did not no, know that.
2: Never. <laughs> I yeah. I did know that, but it, one out of two. So. <laughs> no, Well. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm freezing. Man,
1: I really want to know what the hell he did on Sorcerer, then, <laughs> <And> immediately after. <laughs>
2: well, yeah.
1: <laughs> I feel like he called Steven Spielberg and was like, "I owe you an apology." <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> take me back, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, boy, he had a he had a fun couple of years but that's <laughs> that's very funny i think that you know well not funny in the sense that there was clearly a very real element of danger <laughs> yes. in making this film that he you know felt that that was a thing that he needed to do like well, just in case
3: <laughs> they're filming in the ocean you yeah you can't control it no matter how much you try
0: yeah
3: and um, yeah. he is stuck inside oh, like a wooden trap but he's still, he still it can sink at any moment there's holes everywhere mm-hmm
2: yeah i think that this is obviously you know the 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 jaws that that we have is the perfect version of jaws and i'm just so glad that they you know that spielberg had the temerity to be like we're gonna film this on the actual ocean because you just would not have that same level of real Danger or real fear factor? If you were making this on a backlot swimming pool, uh, and I think with, you know backgrounds.
3: Yeah, sorry. The, the odd moment. Um, I think when they find Ben Gardner's, book the odd moment where yeah,
2: that's the only bit it, I think.
3: Yeah, where it's a bit obvious that it's filmed in a tank. Yeah. It mm. kind of. I don't know. I mean, I'd still stand by. It. It's a perfect film, but it does just slightly let down by it. You forget about it because there's a floating head, but <laughs> mm-hmm, you tell. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. there's enough going on in that scene that you you can kind of you can kind of let it go uh but yeah this is one of my annoying things i point out when i watch it with people who don't know it as well as me i'm like oh this was like the one scene that is meant to be at sea but they didn't film at sea it's in like a swimming pool or something yeah Yeah. um, Yeah. and you can tell
1: (laughs) yeah well and and you know i i'm thinking about roy shire like spielberg's in charge right for all intents and purposes like this is his production he's a child to roy scheider roy scheider's 43 <laughs> pushing 44 when he he's making this and spielberg's mm-hmm. what 27 28
2: 29
1: yeah uh yeah i also would not trust that shit either especially seeing some of the stuff we are doing up to this point
2: uh-huh yeah that's well, nothing's,
3: <laughs> nothing's really gone right so far as we trying to make the film yeah well, why would you suddenly presume that the life threatening bit is going to go okay?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm hedging my bets. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm putting a secret axe in this uh, sinking ship. Yeah. And um, maybe this
1: is terrible <laughs> of me, but I'm 33 and I barely trust a 27 year old. Like,
2: <laughs> yeah, can only imagine. And as for Robert Shaw as well, well, oh, yeah. <laughs> He's like this young whippersnapper <laughs> telling me what to do. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, oh, to be a fly on the wall uh, during the filming of this. Um, I think if I could, I mean, people when they're like, if you could go back to any point and experience something, my answer is always I would like to just go back and watch Jaws. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, with an audience seeing it for the very first time, like when it came out. Yeah. Also, would have just liked to have been on the set of Jaws at some point just to see what went down. <laughs> just the chaos. The chaos, yeah. I want to be part of the chaos. <laughs>
3: well, see, I don't think I'd want to be
2: working. On, not that I
3: would be, but I don't want to work. On that, but from a, like a fly on the wall perspective, definitely, just watch mm. somebody else's misery.
2: Yeah, I want to be on a little fishing boat going past. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> 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 like, <laughs> like Quint going past the when they like catch the tiger shark. Yeah, or whatever, just chucking his past in his boat. <laughs> Yeah, that's me. <laughs> uh... It's really funny. <laughs> I know, it's, quite... <laughs> it's a funny. image. just... <laughs> just, just Sarah on a boat, past. just
1: laughing. Yeah. <laughs> just cackling as she walks, in, as she, she floats by on this boat. <laughs> Who was that?
2: And they have to keep cutting it out of the shot as well, because yeah, I'm just yeah. like trying to get in the background of every shot that they're doing. <laughs> they're like, cut. Yeah, She's you're in like, it again. Uh what's his name
1: <laughs> dr doolittle guy the what guy dr doolittle uh what was his name but uh, the guy who played dr doolittle eddie murphy no not robert Downey oh, but... junior either uh
2: i'm too young i went eddie murphy as well uh... rex harrison <laughs> okay
1: rex harrison like he 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 ruined a day of shooting because he thought they weren't shooting with him enough and they were giving too much time to the second male lead so he rented a houseboat and just parked it in the middle of the shot where they were filming and they just couldn't they couldn't go out and move him because he was in the middle of the ocean but he they couldn't like they had to wait and he didn't move for like four or five hours or something (laughs)
2: Yeah, this is the level of petty that I aspire to. <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. oh, I <laughs> I have brought it up before,
1: but man, if if you want to read about a disastrous production, look up some of the stuff about the making of Doctor Doolittle. It is bananas. And if you're really interested, mm-hmm. read Pictures at a Revolution by Mark Harris. It's an excellent film history book. But the stuff the stuff I learned about Doctor Doolittle in that is some of the funniest stuff i've ever heard about a movie it's just absolutely cursed picture
2: yeah it changed my life when you told me about some of that stuff i was obsessed with it for about a week just reading things yeah man it's so (laughs) weird of all the films as well yeah you you can see it in jaws or sorcerer because it's like oh yeah i can see the element of danger that there is here and that things would go wrong along the way but (laughs) dr Doolittle.
1: <laughs> yeah you can see the pre-production rose was in dr Doolittle because the movie sucks and it's a mess mm-hmm. but yeah the production itself type of woes you can't really see but then you hear about it and just like it, it colors in so many of those scenes in a new light of just like yeah. oh yeah i guess those birds would be just shitting everywhere right <laughs> like and also because of that a lot of diseases <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah Truly, a cursed picture. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk about the. We've we've spoken about it a little bit with the with the raw and the shark coming through the the side of the mm-hmm. boat. Um, it's an excellent jump scare that yep. uh, I didn't realize how effective it was until I saw it with an audience of people who had never seen it, um, and they all jumped because uh, I think I've just got used to, <laughs> to Jaws. <laughs> I forget the parts that used to make me jump. Um, but also that close up and I think Dan, you mentioned it earlier and I was like you better believe we're going to come back to this Uh, the close up of inside the jaws uh, of the shark and there are just like bits of Quint just hanging in the shark's mouth and it is absolutely gross Um, but a little thing that I spotted and I've got the exact timestamp in case you wanted to check it as well um, it's one one fifty eight twenty three. Um, it's literally just as Brody is throwing the the oxygen tank into the shark's mouth, and on the the left side of the shark, as we look at it, there's like a tiny like a little bit of like blue, blue. material just like hanging off of the shark's uh, tooth, and it yeah. looks like either Quint's bandana or more likely his shirt. It looks yeah. like the same color as the the sort of lighter blue of the shirt, and I was like, that is. Dark. <laughs> yeah.
3: I'm so glad you said it was a bit of material or something like that. I thought you were gonna say it was gonna be a puppeteer's hand or well, somebody's <laughs> coffee mug or something. Oh you ruined the film for me. Yeah,
1: no, but you, you right. can see you can see the it, the motors inside the shark when it leaps on the back. You can see it through the gills.
3: No, mm-hmm. no that, that's just the remnants of boat.
2: <laughs> Jules is perfect. Stop it.
1: yeah i didn't bring it up last week but i know i totally noticed it when he jumped on the boat i was like oh you can you can totally see like how hollow it is inside there that's just pippet. (laughs) oh
2: okay (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) he lives (laughs) but yeah the bits of quint just yeah uh, or like fleshy bits just hanging out of the shark's mouth like it doesn't need to be that gross and i'm just really but i am glad that it goes to that (laughs) Play <laughs> to like it's a like it, yeah. it's almost,
3: it could have been worse. It could have quite it easily have been. done something really disgusting and you know, there'd be an arm lodged between teeth or something mm. horrific. It's just it's just that little bit of making you think about mm. what it could be that um mm-hmm. makes it worse. Just a bit of nuance.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I uh gosh, I really like this this whole bit with the shark. <laughs> um so much it's so like it, it is so scary as mm-hmm. evidenced by the screening thing i went to this weekend just like <laughs> we we so at the screening you could yell stop at any time and the people could offer their analysis of the film and uh someone yelled stop and the guy who was hosting the film critic who's hosting josh larson he was like before you say your comment four people to the left of me just jumped uh when that <laughs> happens <laughs> um, and it, it was just it was so great being able to sit there and like anticipate it and then see when it happened and then feel the energy of the crowd uh in that in that moment and this is a crowd who had seen the movie start to finish like a couple days before and uh it it just really solidified how great this movie plays to an audience and especially these moments with the shark like I know we've talked about before that you know the shark isn't in the movie much as far as like what we see but it's it's such a perfect amount uh that mm-hmm. it that it doesn't matter it's so so effective and so good and like i think the shark looks awesome in this part it does I, it, it looks does. so yeah. good
3: throughout the i know there was um it's, well it be a couple of months back now you, you had a guest on that mentioned this scene in particular, saying how oh, the shark looks a bit dodgy. Then no, no, I was getting so angry, <laughs> and he threw my phone out the window. It does. It looks absolutely fantastic. I, I dare any filmmaker try and make a shark look that good now, it, and you mm-hmm. can't. You only need to look at Deep Blue Sea or, or Meg, and and yeah, it stinks. Mm-hmm. But you go back. All those years, and they're making something that looks that good, that horrific, and is able to make people now jump out of their skin just at the size of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how could anyone think it doesn't look that great?
1: <laughs> yeah, um, there's there's a movie I don't I, I just heard about it the other day that I think used a uh, a, a shark puppet, starring Alicia Silverstone.
3: Um, right. Called. <laughs> Remember the... when she was famous
1: yeah <laughs> called the, yeah did you guys see the the lodge was it no. called? the lodge it's a horror movie it's terrible i didn't like it uh oh. but she's in it for like 30 seconds like i saw that she was in it and i was like oh, i haven't seen alicia silverstone in a minute that'll be cool and she's dead within the first five minutes of the movie mm. and never comes back again <laughs> she's not even like a ghost in the movie later like I was like oh it's gonna be the ghost of Alicia nope she just was there to just be in it for a couple minutes and then leave
3: like do Barrymore and Scream kind of thing
1: yeah mm-hmm. basically yes <laughs> um, so it's called the, the 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 I don't know how you would pronounce this I think it's French it looks like the Requin to me R-E-Q-U-I-N um i pasted it in the the requin the requin maybe yeah i was thinking the requin anyway i saw a clip of them with a shark puppet uh so it seems like they tried to do it jaw style although i am on a website right now that reviewed the film and they gave it one out of five well it reviews horror movies they gave it one out of five skulls um (laughs) so maybe pass
2: Mm. Yeah, it has two point six out of ten on IMDb. So Oof. yeah,
3: and Alicia <laughs> Silverstone's like Oof. the top bill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Huh. This is good because I don't recognise anybody else.
2: <laughs> yeah. Ooh, I didn't know this film existed until now, and I I usually watch every <laughs> terrible shark <shot> film, <count>, so <laughs> you know it's probably going to happen at some point. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> yeah
1: apparently a vietnamese uh filmmaker
2: okay i mean people will try to make the next jaws right and be like right. well we'll use a puppet and then surely it will be as good but it's not it's not jaws yeah is it gonna be any good well, <laughs> it's, you know the, even universal the thing- gave it three
3: extra attempts and and couldn't mm. do it why yeah. would anybody else think they could
1: well that's cuz they the, didn't the... do jaws 3 people zero.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: yeah, there is that. Yeah,
2: the the thing with with jaws is like even I mean, I am the biggest defender of the shark. We know this. I will always say that it looks good, but even in the moments like when you can maybe see the mechanics inside the you know, inside the shark or you can see its little flabby jowls and you know, there's a hinge in there somewhere. Even those bits where you can say, "Okay, yes, I know that's not a real shark," it doesn't matter because, like, what what else is happening in that scene? Or you know, last week I wasn't thinking about that when I was looking at the shark leaping on the back of the boat. I was thinking, "Oh my goodness, Quint's about to die." And in this scene, I'm thinking, "Gross, there are bits of Quint hanging inside that shark's mouth," and also this is a really great jump scare <laughs> moment. Like, there's there's good stuff surrounding the you know the moments with the shark which there are not that many anyway but even the bits where the shark is heavily in in the film you you can look at it and go oh yeah that doesn't you know it looks dated or it doesn't you know look as you know realistic as it could do but uh, the feeling and the what you're getting out of the film if all you're taking out of it is the shark i don't really think that you've done jaws properly which we have said before uh so this isn't brand new information but yeah it's there's so much more to jaws than just the shark and i still think the shark looks great so you know
1: (laughs) um yeah agreed also oh my god gross
2: what is that that's from
1: (laughs) the the requin Hmm. that is the puppet
2: I don't like it. It's, See, that looks it, worse. That it looks, looks way like way worse. It looks oh, like uh. it's made out of play doh or something. Yeah, it's like squishy, like a marshmallow. Great.
3: It looks like there's something wrong with it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it looks like, and I may, I may edit this part out at the risk of sounding insensitive. It looks like it's like it has a developmental d- disorder.
2: <laughs> Something's not right <laughs> with this shark. Yeah. Uh.
3: Hmm. It's, yeah, it's just a bit. Hey, you guys, isn't it?
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> it's
0: just a bit. Hey, you guys.
1: <laughs> it does look like the sloth of sharks.
2: Oh, I can't unsee it. I yeah. can't unsee it now.
1: <laughs> Almost <laughs> exactly. Romance. Like if sloth were an anamorph that turned into a shark, it was. It's this.
2: Yeah. And that's a puppet.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah, well. Yeah, the, the for so... a puppet, that's mm. it's not bad. <laughs> I mean, it's not good, but it's not bad. Yeah. But why would you try and do it with a puppet?
2: <laughs> yeah, Jaws did it. Uh, you don't need to try and do it again. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Uh, I forget about it. <laughs> yeah,
1: we have breaking uh, requin news here
2: is it gonna
1: be a sequel no i just got a text from my wife that says i know how to pronounce requin in french if you want to actually know yes sure.
2: we would love to know okay go go for it <laughs> requin
3: yeah yep. cool nice <laughs> yep
1: which is weird because the movie takes place in vietnam
2: what does that mean in. Is it a French word? Oh, yeah. Do you, Do know, you know, know what it
1: means brain? in English? Sure. Um... Oh, I
3: mean shark. Oh, it
2: means shark. Oh.
3: So it's called the shark. Yeah. The French that
2: shark.
3: Makes
2: sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Just that's it
1: why, why it looks translate. that way. Too many baguettes.
2: <laughs> 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 I don't know how much we can get away with in this week's episode. <laughs> we've angered the french we've angered <laughs>
1: that is just a shark on a high carb diet
3: you just got to try and make shark noises in a french accent now am <laughs> I dare you i will not do that
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> see Jules has a, joe's has a great uh, like Translated name in French. It's like the teeth of the ocean or something. Oh, it's yeah. It's such a cool uh-huh. name. <laughs> it's like well, I've that,
3: why didn't they just. Is it because Jaws, the word, is too literal or or not literal enough?
2: Um,
3: why didn't I they just know. stick I mean, with it, the, the title?
2: Yeah, because I'm just about to. Let me put in the chat what the, the word Jaws is in French. Not going to try and pronounce it. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh-huh. Yeah, maybe mm. they just thought the teeth of the ocean sounded uh, cooler, which it does. Yeah, to be fair, so. <laughs> it
3: really it's does. It's kind of romantic in a way, isn't it? it
2: yeah. Oddly. Is, is it the teeth of the sea or the teeth of the ocean? I don't think it's the. No, the teeth of the sea. Yeah. The Don de la Mer, yeah. <laughs> uh. Let me uh, see if there's anything else in my notes that we were going to... Oh, I do have something. Um, the something that we... I'm just very distracted by this shark that's looking at me, so I'm just trying to <laughs> find my point again. The... A sound that we have heard quite often uh, throughout Jaws or, or at certain moments has been this sound of a bell ringing um yes. and we've spoken about that oh, and, mm-hmm. and mentioned it we we hear it right at the start um with with chrissy um and we're we're hearing it again because the the orca has this this bell sort of at the top you can see it in this scene as well when the boat is is tilting so as the boat is tilting obviously it's making the bell move and and, and make this ringing sound um again it's just such a great full circle moment bringing us back to the start of the film weirdly and and we mentioned this last week i think with uh weirdly how similar Quint's death is to chrissy's it's like a lot of yelling and screaming and then sudden silence and then following that is the kind of the sound of of this of this bell ringing and we get that here as well so um i just thought that was a was a, a nice sort of feeling of things coming full circle again but also just that sound that isn't the the main sound that we associate with the shark you know we have that the the piece of the of the score that is you know to signify when when the shark is on the approach and that is the i guess the sound of the shark but these other sort of like little subtle things as well like the the presence of the color yellow or red sort of signaling threat and also this like bell-ringing sound that we hear at various points in the film just sort of making us aware, <laughs> just putting us into that state of of alert again of, you know, this this isn't quite over yet.
3: It's the noise of doom, isn't it?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very ominous. Like, you wouldn't think that the sound... Well, I guess the sound of bell ringing can either sound very happy, <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. wedding bells, or it's, you know, quite an ominous... Sound in the right context, isn't
3: it? Well, surely mm. in a well, I don't know, but surely in a church, they use the same bell for a wedding as they do for a funeral.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's
3: just the the way of ringing it. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's up to the audience to decide whether it's happy or not. Mm.
2: Yeah, yeah. context clues. I, guess, I, well, I imagine in the situation.
3: film it's not happy, but in general. Mm. <laughs> so
1: I was thinking about this. As well, I'm glad you brought that up because I famously don't take notes. And the downside of that is forgetting I wanted to bring this up in the first place. Um, (laughs) And I thought about it as this is a sign that Brody is close to shore, which is the name of the book. That is about the New Jersey shark attacks that inspired Peter Benchley to write Jaws.
2: Ah. Interesting. Yeah, because it's in the beginning. It's on like the boy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. When Chrissy is killed, that's where the bell is. Yeah, and you
3: can also see um, parts. You can the see land behind, in the background behind the
1: Yeah, The first time,
2: yep. Well, shit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad you brought that up because I totally forgot I wanted to say that, and that's a cool connection, even if it's not intentional. Hey.
2: <laughs> I'm just glad that still 77 episodes in, my mind can still be blown. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> by this film. There's still things where like someone points it out to me, and I'm like, well, I'm dumb for not, <laughs> not thinking of that. But also, it's just a really good point. It's a
3: pretty good movie. Pretty good
1: movie. Pretty good
2: movie.
3: I was talking. I really wanted to say that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It, it's funny. I was talking to my my best friend last night about Jaws, uh, particularly the screening. But like, just some analysis that because she just watched it for the first time in forever with her husband, who had never seen it before, and so I got to drop some knowledge on them. Like, I maybe more than she wanted, but I don't care. And uh, so I was talking about the the psycho connection of like, um, first the Norman Bates shot with Quint and the Bat, and then second the Janet Lee shot of Hooper screaming in the water and i said oh yeah that second one is more obvious uh is even more obvious because when they're loading the cage into the water Quint asks if it's a portable shower and she was like oh wow i did not recall that portable shower line and i was like um by more obvious i mean you notice it when you watch jaws one minute at a time for a year and a half (laughs) so (laughs) i think our 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 vision of like what is what is obvious in this movie is uh to not be believed whatsoever because it's it's not obvious. We just are scrutinizing it with a fine tooth comb and have to fill an hour every week.
2: Yeah, <laughs> just surprisingly easy.
1: Yeah. Um, Dan, did you have anything else that you wanted to bring up?
3: The, the only other thing I was going to mention, um, or well, two things. The wife found out. For. I keep the wife. My wife found out that um, it took seventy five takes. To, to make this clip of um the shark coming in, yeah. allegedly. And um the sort of anti TARDIS feel of the cabin. So earlier on when they're doing the Indianapolis speech, um for instance, it feels quite fairly roomy, even when um mm. just after they first seen no, I think it's before then. When the um the fishing wire breaks and Quint tells mm. Brody that he's bleeding, feels kind of roomy in there still but now with um Brody sort of pressed up against the back wall as the shark's coming through the window there's no room in there whatsoever it's all very very claustrophobic now as opposed to how it looked earlier on mm. i felt
2: mm. that's actually a super good point because we we've spoken a lot in previous episodes just about how great the the setting of of the orca is and how they really use like every single bit of that of that boat and how there are certain shots where they just make it look huge you know the the characters are at all opposite ends of this of this boat or they just do sort of clever things you know with the with the shots and with the editing to make it feel a lot bigger than it is and i think i guess the payoff of 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 that and that that setup is in this scene where like you said the sort of reverse tardis effect where suddenly Brody is like trapped in what feels like an incredibly small space and you're reminding yourself you know they were all sat around that table you know Hooper's practically lying down at, at, at times during the the Indianapolis so he's sort of got his got his legs up on the table and all the rest of it that room felt absolutely huge and Brody's sort of standing in another corner of it and the confrontation that happened between Brody and Quint as well in there with, with the radio and all those sort of moments that we've seen inside that, that cabin or just on the orca generally that have made it seem so big and now it feels tiny and there is yeah. that sense of the, the tension and the claustrophobia that's, that's so effective so yeah, yeah. it's a real yeah. magic trick you <laughs> sort of liking, see his... isn't it like what they can do. You
3: see his point now yeah they probably did need a bigger boat after all that
2: yeah <laughs> He was right.
3: It, it bugs yeah. me. Like, where were they planning on sleeping? I know they were sort of a bit half cut by the um, hmm. by the time the shark attacked in the middle of the night. But were they just going to sleep standing up, or... <laughs> like horses? I'm
2: <laughs> I'm guessing that the like the my very small experience of boats was in in like a, a narrow boat or a canal boat, and those things are small. By definition yeah um but you'd be surprised where a bed could suddenly appear from like you would that table probably folded you know folded down yeah. or could be flattened and then those the the seats sort of you know you've lifted out the the cushions and you know made I, it into yeah. a bed or something like that i just or, can't yeah, see <laughs> quinn
3: caring enough about his crewmates to bother with mattresses and, and blankets <laughs> or whatever
2: yeah i doubt they it had like evil, pillows actually. and and comforters and stuff it was yeah <laughs> There are probably uh a, a bit of awkward sp- a bit of awkward spooning going on as well as there's not a lot of room in there
3: <laughs> if there's not at least two pillows i'm not going
2: <laughs> oh brady probably had one in his bag right <laughs> next to the spare socks <laughs> and his gun
3: yeah
1: <laughs> yeah that was a really good point about the um The confined space because during that indianapolis speech it feels like brody's a million miles away like he's not part of that conversation of sharing the scars he's like he's in shadow he's in a black turtleneck he's you know he's he's i mean he's all but camouflaged within the darkness um that's happening out there and it feels like he's you know so far away from them and then he eventually joins them and that's when we get the you know the group performing from that point forward but here we see he was a couple feet maximum away like maybe yeah. maybe a meter away if we're being super generous
3: yeah <laughs> to, to the point where when Quint says do you want to see something permanent Boom! boom, boom. he could almost punch him in the face yeah mm. Mm-hmm. Or, or when he lifts his shirt to have a look at his appendix guy, he can almost smell his belly button from there. <laughs> Just to bring the tone down.
1: Smell his belly button. <laughs> you can definitely smell Quince. His pants are unbuttoned and
3: everything. <laughs> it, yes. I, I only noticed this last night. Sorry to talk about a scene <laughs> that you've already covered. But his, his belt is tied up.
0: Mhm.
3: Mm-hmm. The lunatic! Yeah. The man is insane! Why? Are...
2: <laughs> it, but it, you he's can like see the buckle and everything. Why,
3: why didn't he just use it like a belt? What, what's wrong with him?
2: <laughs> he's a busy man. He's got yeah. sharks to catch. <laughs> he doesn't have time for belts.
3: <laughs> yeah, he's got to go sharking. <laughs> whilst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to divert, right, whilst we're talking about Quinn, one thing that bugs me. Near the beginning, he's when you know, the fingernails finger down the chalkboard and he says, you all know mm-hmm. me, you know what I do for a living. We're led to presume that he fishes for sharks for a living. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which raises a couple of problems for me. <laughs> I see where this is at. <laughs> so, <laughs> surely, if that's the case, then why isn't he just automatically the first person they go to? Mm-hmm. Right, and I get or the, the townsfolk are kind of head up their asses a little bit so that's forgivable but they also talk about there's not really any sharks around this area so how much work could he possibly be doing (laughs) what what does he do every day
1: yeah we've i think we brought that up at one point uh i don't remember if it was a guest or one of us but like yeah if there's a shark fisherman on amity why is everyone super surprised there's a shark yeah attacking people on Amity. (laughs)
3: And he, he's done it recently <laughs> yeah. as well. Because when they go to to hire him, he's pulling jewels out of the um, of the the boiling pot and everything. And they're hanging around mm-hmm. everywhere. He's obviously not hard up. So <laughs> yeah. he's either going miles out, like down to Florida or something, I presume. In which case, oh. move. While you're still living up there, <laughs> or um, all the problems much worse than people are admitting.
1: Yeah, they have a shark (laughs) epidemic in Amity, actually. Yeah. Uh, As far as the move thing is concerned, though, you'd be surprised at especially, like, old-timey people, and their, um... I don't know if this is a uniquely American thing or what. So something that blew my mind is I went to New Orleans once, and, uh, we drove through the area that was most affected by Hurricane Katrina... And the thing is, there's a bunch of people out there who live near the levee that this is my, you know, my father's land and his father's land before that and his father's land before that. And I am not moving and their house was destroyed in the hurricane. They were able to survive. And instead of moving after, they put their house on stilts <laughs> and just have a giant staircase leading up to the front door. And that's so. Do not underestimate a stubborn American uh, <laughs> not wanting to leave the their 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 home turf as they perceive it. Mm.
2: Uh, they
0: well, look that, ridiculous. That
2: <laughs> you can imagine that like this was, you know, if not exactly where Quint grew up, but that you know moved to from sort of like a an early age so like obviously has this connection to to the place and i guess is like or i don't know maybe even like post indianapolis and post-war is the sort of way he found his home and was like that's it i'm never I'm, no, I'm never going anywhere again this is where i live now well
3: he's obviously yeah. a well-known member of the community because the mayor knows him by name didn't have to introduce himself mm. but he said you all know me so he's a yeah, yeah. <laughs> A of a nuisance yeah i
2: guess i guess the hysteria of the of the situation probably well as we as we see in the early part of the film clouds uh any logical yeah. thinking or making rash calls and and decisions uh <laughs> it's uh yeah but surely the guy's like right there <laughs> just, <laughs> just 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 get Quint. <laughs> yeah Problem solved. But
3: they hire an expert, is in Hubert, to come in from the mainland. You got a guy who works with them every day, presumably. So go and talk to him. See mm. what he has to say.
2: I, I guess they're like damage control at that at that point, aren't they? They're like, what can we do to sort of minimise this? Like, let's get someone who is who is an expert, you know, in in sharks and, and get their advice. Whereas, you know, getting getting Quint, getting the guy who kills. Sharks for a living getting him involved in it is almost having to admit that there is a shark there which is what they are so desperately trying to <laughs> or what Larry is so desperately trying to avoid at that point in the film is even admitting that there is the possibility of there being a shark so as soon as you know the they go oh yeah okay there's a, a shark has killed this girl let's get this guy to go out and and sort it out that's gonna freak everybody out and no one is gonna want to go into the water but. I said, yeah, it's I don't know. I mean, they don't make any sensible decisions in the first half of the film really, <laughs> no, do they? Not any. <laughs>
1: nope. Um anybody have anything else? Um
3: That's it. Yeah, I think that is it.
1: <laughs> cool. Well, Dan, thank you so much for coming on, man. This was an absolute pleasure. You're
3: more than um, welcome. Thank you for having me. It's um it's been something I've been looking forward to for a while. So uh yeah. Just happy to be here.
1: Good. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Do you have anything you want to plug? Any any projects you're working on that you want people to check out?
3: Absolutely nothing. Um, The only thing I would Uh say is um, thank you to the both of you guys. Um, I just happened across the podcast some I don't know, gotta be close to eighteen months ago now. Um, Just on a whim because I didn't have anything to listen to. I thought, see what there is about yours. Yours popped up, and um, it's been absolutely wonderful i've loved the movie forever but you guys have just added that little bit something more to it, it um yeah i really appreciate it and now we're at that twilight, twilight period of the uh of the whole thing for you um yeah i hope you guys know that you did a really great job so thank you well thank you i
2: appreciate that oh that's pretty sweet <laughs> 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 me just trying not to cry in the background it's fine yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no that's it that's, yeah, that's all kidding. the nice things i'm going to say about you
1: it's uh uh, yeah it's it's definitely starting to hit like that that we're at the end type of like emotional response of like ah man this is this is it i'm like yes the podcast is gonna continue stay tuned but yeah you know it i'll say this much not in the way you know it and as it was conceived by us originally (laughs) so uh it is like you know while it will continue it is kind of putting aside an era and like a project that has taken up you know almost two years of our lives now <laughs> yeah
2: yeah when you think about it that way <laughs> yeah yeah just sort of
3: yeah how did yeah. michelangelo feel when he was finally finished in the sistine chapel
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah the two things are comparable for sure yeah definitely
1: we did make the Sistine Chapel of podcasts, so yeah,
2: yeah, effectively. <laughs> you
3: should be, you should oh, both the be very Sistine proud. Sistine
2: Chapel of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> I just just totally plugged in uh, Brody and Quint into the uh, the God the God reaching out to Adam. <laughs>
2: yes <laughs> <laughs> oh what a fun image <laughs> yeah I, i'm really
1: distracted by that it is it is vivid in my imagination
3: Brody slightly lifting his shirt oh, at the same boy. time
1: <laughs> it's just shirtless brody from uh the montage
2: yeah yeah oh yeah <laughs>
1: Uh, Sarah do you have anything you want to plug To pull me out of this
2: (laughs) Just that mental image really Is all I've got No, um, Let me think what I have uh, Possibly been writing recently Uh, Oh yeah So I uh, mentioned This uh, Probably in previous episodes but worth mentioning again Because I spent a lot of time on this article So uh, 95 Best suspense movies Mm -hmm. uh, Was one that I recently wrote For Looper Um, meant I got to watch a lot of Hitchcock uh Hitchcock Hitchcock even (laughs) so I had a, a great time writing that one and researching that one and I think uh one's coming up soon uh maybe by the time this is out my 70s one will have been written but uh that's another one I'm working on. And also the best summer films, which for the first time I will get to put yours at number one and justify its uh, existence there because it is the best summer film. Mm-hmm. So uh, what a treat. Uh, yeah. And you can find all of the the stuff that I've written, including those ones and many more um, on my Looper author page, which is looper.com forward slash author forward slash Sarah buttery. That's where all my articles are. Yep.
1: <clears throat> you want to plug your dog's Instagram?
2: <laughs>
1: oh,
0: yeah. I found that should
2: today. Do... <laughs> yes, absolutely, should do that. Uh, yes, uh, my dog. Uh, at time of recording, it's we're six days away from getting our little puppy. So, if you would like incredibly cute pictures of the world's cutest dog, uh, you can <laughs> follow. Uh, let me remember the handle: Thelma underscore the underscore Cockapoo. Uh, she is named after Thelma Schoonmaker, the one of the greatest editors of all time. Yep. <laughs>
1: Yep, and in following with your Scorsese-themed pet naming convention. Yes. For those of you yeah. who are everyone is like, "Why yeah. not Verna?"
2: <laughs> was a contender, but everyone was like, "Well, everyone just assumes Thelma, as in Thelma and Louise." And uh, then the actual explanation of how she got her name is so long-winded that yeah. I feel I just bore people whenever I start. I'm like, "Well, you know how Travis was called Travis because he's named after Travis Bickle in Taxi? <laughs> it's yeah. a really long story." <laughs> oh dear
1: (laughs) yeah i had to explain it to kristen and i was like man she does not care like she
2: (laughs) she's just like cute dog
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) so i totally get that um as far as (laughs) my stuff real perspective r-e-e-l perspective is out on boba fett we talked to matt malema um from the anselm society oh gosh, is it called See to Believe podcast? I think that's what it's called um, about it and had more thoughts than I expected because that show is nothing. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's a, it's a good in-depth conversation uh, about the show and I think it, it aired some of our frustrations with sort of the Disney era of Star Wars and just the, the commodification of stuff in general. Um, which is going to be funny when I say the next episode coming up is the Batman. Um, but that is a much more thoughtful piece of work than, than Boba Fett was. Uh, so yeah, we'll have those coming out. I think we're doing an Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent episode. We might also do the Northmen. Um, but just more stuff is going to come out more regularly on that podcast. So, um, be on the lookout for all of that. Uh, somewhat soon you can... Catch that wherever pods are casted. Much the way you can find uh, you can find this show. If you're listening to this show on whatever platform you're listening into it on, you can probably find real perspective on that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can follow us at JawsForAMinute. Um, that's also our handle on Instagram. Um, no cute dog pictures that we may post a picture of Pippet, uh, now and again. Um. He
2: lives. He, Pippet wow. lives
1: and I can prove it. We can prove it. Chris, Chris, uh, Chris Hood proved it to us, actually. Um. Yeah, so at Jaws for a minute, if you want to follow Sarah and keep up with everything um, that she's writing as well as pictures of Thelma, uh, you can follow her at Sarah Buttery. That's S-A-R-A-H-B-U-D-D-E-R-Y. I am competing with a plane right now. Um, (laughs) If you want to follow me, it's at MJSmith891. Uh, I almost gave that as my email address. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, I mean, that is my email address, how it begins, but... um, (laughs) That's not what it is. <laughs> if you are not on the socials, but still want to drop us a note, uh, then you can email the show at jazzforaminute@gmail.com. And on all our socials, you can find a link tree um, to all the various things that, that we have for you to support the show versus uh, and purchase merch and uh, the people who helped us get those things. So... Um, if you go, this is on both our Instagram and our, our Twitter. It's a link tree that has links to our merch stores, which we have one on Redbubble and one on TeePublic. Um, you can also find the uh, the page, the Twitter page, for our artist who designed both of those wonderful graphic design uh, options you have for the merch, um, which is Alex at HexGhosts on Twitter. You can purchase our theme song. Um, through that link tree uh tiger shark by kristen falls you can also find her instagram page on that link tree which is at kristen falls music on instagram and she also has the link to purchase it there um and you can find our coffee page which is a um just a way you can support the show uh for a small donation um and it's a three dollar minimum to uh to donate and it will buy us some caffeine or uh you know whatever non-caffeinated beverage of my choice and uh if you are a first-time donor you will be entered into a drawing to win a piece of merch if you have donated in the past and have not won the contest you are automatically entered into any uh future drawings so um yeah let's uh let's get the the that donation up if you can um we appreciate it first of all and then also um You know, we haven't had a donation in a minute, so uh, just a a way to support the show and also get closer to that donation goal to uh, win that piece of merch. And then lastly, uh, a very free and very easy way for you to support the show is to like, subscribe, and review this on your podcatcher of choice as well as uh, maybe share it with people on your timeline. We would really appreciate that. Just helps get the word out. Uh, of the show oh uh, we hit 20,000 plays do we want to talk about that
2: woo <laughs> that's me talking about it <laughs> congratulations what a trip thank you thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah I should probably uh, should probably do a little contest at some point yeah. I'll do it maybe once we've once we've wrapped I'll yeah. do a little finale uh, I'm pretty sure finale. only 20,000
3: people have seen Sistine Chapel so yeah i
2: think so <laughs> we're continuing this yeah. uh, we're coming yes. after you
1: michelangelo <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah what a wild our stats have been pretty wild recently yeah. but i i did see that the other day and i was like that's a very large number <laughs> of that's a lot plays. um yeah which is very very exciting in so, less yeah, we'll, than two we'll years we'll do a big um jeez i mean <laughs> we'll uh yeah we'll do a big giveaway maybe on our we'll mention it on our last episode or i'll put it out there and it's uh yeah
1: great um there are so many planes in the sky right now apparently 12 (laughs) p.m is when planes start flying over fort collins uh (laughs) yep um yeah so thank you guys so much for that Uh, i know we're approaching the end here and we'll get more and more sentimental about that as it goes on as though we're not sentimental about it already but um we really appreciate it thank you guys so much for listening Until next week, it's Jaws o'clock somewhere.